Well, good morning. Good to have, good to be with you. And uh, Lyle is kind of under the weather, but uh, Susan came in, so everything's well at that house. She can get around. But good to be with you this morning, and we're going to spin off of Christmas this morning. I don't mind if you don't mind. I'm going to just stay down here. Is it? Can you see me okay? I know you can hear me. My voice is kind of uh, rowdy. But I want us to look at a portion of Scripture that connects with Christmas this morning. And if I would say the theme of this service, this message is this. Have you worshipped this Christmas? Christmas always makes a difference, right? Come on, right? Always makes a difference. But the difference that was intended for Christmas is what? That we would worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. One of the scriptures that uh, is a part of the Christmas story, and we know the Christmas story so well, it's like we've heard it and we've heard it, but this one I want us to sink in this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And uh, we know the story of the Kings, we say they were kings, we were probably not kings, but they were people who studied the stars and knew the prophecy of the coming Messiah. And when they saw the star, they moved toward following the star. And it says this, they had been already before Aaron, Herod, and he had Ask them to tell them all about what they find. And then in verse 10 of chapter 2, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and did what? Say it out loud. They, They bowed down and worshiped him. Let's pray together. Lord, in the midst of Christmas Day 2016, with all the festivities of family and friends and the celebration of children, we pray that today we will bow down before you. We will worship you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, worship is the primary theme of the Bible. There's more about worship in the Bible than about any other subject. You know, some have said there's more about fear, but there's more about worship. But I was in a grade school this week, last week actually, and it's a grade school that's Christian-driven, and they had a on a bulletin board up there, they had a question Ways to worship, and then you had to list the ways to worship, and they had them posted up there, and I wrote them down. What are the ways we can worship? You say, well, here's how I worship. We call this what? A worship what? Worship service. I've come to worship. Well, here's what these kids said. Worship, ways I worship is I read my Bible. I obey my parents. 
I put others before myself. I pray. My words, my attitude, singing, and dancing. Now, I marked through that dancing. Interpretive movement. We're in a Baptist church. Interpretive movement. We had a little girl this morning that was done doing interpretive movement. The idea is this. How do you worship? If Christmas is all about worship, how do you do it? Do you come to a place? I want to turn to a challenging time, challenging scripture for me about worship. It's the first commandment out of Exodus. You know, we talk about one of my grandkids, one of my trips, uh, had to put together at their school the Ten Commandments and write down in three, no more than four words, what each one of them meant. And the first commandment she put was this. No idols. Don't worship idols. I want to read this. It's up on the board, but if you turn to Exodus chapter 20. You know, the priority of first, this is the first commandment. And someone has said, and they're correctly so, if you follow this commandment, you will follow the rest of them. If you don't follow this commandment, you won't follow any of the rest of them. Here we go. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God, who rescued, rescued you out of the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, or I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins, listen to this, parents, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected by your worship. Even children to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I will lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Wow. Come on, wow. I affect, I'm the first generation, my kids. I affect my grandkids. I affect my great-grandkids on how I worship and who I worship. I say that's serious business. Christmas is all about family gathering together and worshiping together and fellowshipping together. How are you doing as a family? Susan's name, you may know the whole thing. Susan is Susan Grace. Her great-grandmother was Grace Bristow. Susan never knew her, but she's the fourth generation from Grace Bristow. In 1928, my father graduated from high school in Kentucky, 
and hitchhiked with another one of his buddies to Jackson, Michigan to find a job. He got there and met a young lady that he wanted to date. She was a little bit younger than him. And here was the rule of my grandmother. You can only date him at church. My dad had never been to church. My dad was raised by an alcoholic dad. He had to leave home when he was a young teenager. But he went to church. Because my mom's dad, my mom's mother said, you're going to church. If you're going to see this girl. You know what happened to my dad? He saw the star. And worshipped him. My dad was one of the greatest men, probably the greatest man I ever knew. He died when I was 19. Susan never knew him either. But my grandmother, Bristow, Grace Bristow, passed down to my mother and infiltrated my dad. That if you're going to do anything, you're going to do it around worshipping the Lord. We had fun, but we memorized scripture all the time. We were into the work of the Lord. I was into it because why? My parents were into it. I asked you about your worship. If you knew that four generations, your generation, your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren were going to be affected by how you worship, would it make a difference in your life? We live like it only matters to me. It's all about me. It doesn't matter to the next generation. I'm going to do my thing. I'm telling you, Christmas is a time to take stock not only of your personal lordship of Christ, but how are you doing as you're touching the rest of your family? As we think about Christmas and worship, it's necessary for us to realize that the Bible is full of stuff about Worship. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says, For all the gods of the nations are idols. Amen? Amen. All the gods. In other words, no matter what's going on politically, that's not the primary thing in our nation or in the nations of the world. Because the nations naturally worship idols. All the nations worship idols. The idea is this. But the Lord made the heavens, the splendor and the majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. He goes on to say in Psalms 96, 9, Worship the Lord with all the holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble. Before him. We live in a time in history where everybody is fearful of something. Amen? I raised in a house that had no locks. So you didn't need any keys. Could you imagine not locking your house up at night? Not locking your car? We do live in a Fear-filled world. But if you've seen the star, 
of Bethlehem, even the leaders of the nations will not alter your direction where you go. When Herod heard about this star, he said, when you get done, tell me about it. And they went on to the star. They didn't worship the leaders of the nation. They worshiped Jesus. We've had a crazy election this year. It's, it's the craziest in my lifetime. I do remember one that was the same as when Truman defeated Dewey. The Democrats hated Truman and the Republicans hated Dewey and nobody wanted to vote for either one of them. And Truman won and became one of the great presidents of the history of, that I keep up with. Stopped the Second World War and did many other things. But I can tell you, no matter who is our president, it's not going to determine the direction of our nation. The people of God who worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will give direction to this nation. Now, here's the problem we've got, folks. Some of you grandparents... By the way, I've had five great-grandchildren born this year. Karen and I have. All of them boys. Now, what happened to the girl crew? Think about how things are going in worship for the fourth, third, second generation. How's your kids doing? How's your grandkids doing? How's your great-grandkids doing? You know, church attendance is in decline in America. Do you know there's now over a hundred million Believers in China. Fastest growing group of believers in the world are in China. Iran is being overtaken by Christianity. We're in a great awakening, folks, worldwide, except in Europe and in the Americas. And I think the family is not taking serious worship. We need to know that our family will be no greater than how they worship and who they worship. When I was a kid, I got a bicycle for Christmas one time. I mean, I loved that bicycle. As a matter of fact, I kind of worshiped the silly thing. You didn't bother it. I had two brothers and they better not touch it. Brothers were just that way, aren't they? You know, one was older and I couldn't whip him and the one was younger and he was the spoiled one. So I was in charge of the middle group there and I love my bicycle. But you know what? I have no idea where that bicycle is. I was raised on the farm and my dad was kind of an entrepreneur and he would let us take on crops. And my crop was strawberries. I had two acres of strawberries, and he gave me the land to harvest, uh, to grow them on, and whatever we made out of those strawberries, I earned. And one year, when I was 17, I think maybe 16 or 17, we had the best strawberry year I'd ever had, and I had about three or four hundred dollars. Come on, kids. Come on. Are you willing to work? For three or four hundred dollars? Man, I was so excited. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want to buy a car. 
and I bought a 48 Plymouth Coupe. It was black. Have you ever tried to keep a black car clean? When you live on a gravel road with a dirt driveway, dust was everywhere, right? But it didn't get on my car. I took it off, washed it every night, dusted it off every morning. As I look back on that, I kind of worshipped that car. But you know what? That car wore out and it's gone. Everything you have on earth perishes. Come on, perishes, right? It's gone. The only thing that will remain is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it will impact your life, your children's life, your grandchildren's life, and your great-grandchildren's life. So I ask you, how's your worship life? What do you worship? I read this the other day. I'm just going to kind of skim some of the things I got here because there's more here than I could possibly get to. But uh, had a story about worship today. Says in the modern society in America, people no longer simply worship recognized deity, but instead add the worship to of members of their family. Consumer brands, sports teams, celebrities, their health, and their wealth, and simply live as if worship is all about me. We've got worship messed up, guys and gals. Younger generation and older generation, we're all messed up with worship. A few years ago, I went to Tanzania. I will never forget that trip. My son David and I and Wade Akins went, and we were to teach pastors and their wives some truths from God's Word so it would help them in their ministries. When we got there, no electricity was in the city. We stopped at the place we were going to stay, and a lady came out with a candle. And a little bucket of water said, that's how you'll wash, and we'll get you a candle. Lights will be on tomorrow. The next day, went to the place where we were going to teach, and we had a hundred pastors and their wives there. They'd bust in and slept there overnight, ready to study God's Word the next day. They didn't have pews. They had benches. Just sawed off benches, and they sat there, and we had prepared this so that they could see on the screen in their language, as well as in ours. We could speak in ours. We had a translator and all. And they sat there in tents, taking notes all day long on those hard benches, and it was hot. And we had one bathroom, and that was an outside toilet. And when we got done about four o'clock, they said, now tonight we're going to worship. And they had three hours of worship that night of celebrating Jesus. 
And I think, I don't believe we'd do that at Inglewood. The temperature has got to be right. The time has got to be right. The pews better be soft. And everybody better have it just like I want it when I get there, or I'm going to fuss about it. Americans, hear me. We become spoiled. And we're going to lose our nation because the people of worship do not worship. Do you hear me? I'm talking from a guy that's been pastoring for many years. And I've seen the fact that if you don't make it convenient, they're not coming. If you don't make it on their schedule, they're not coming. As a matter of fact, I read from Lifeway just recently that the regular attenders in Baptist churches now come on an average of two times a month. Because we're, what, busy. We've got automobiles. We've got computers. I'm telling you, we need to use those, yes. But be sure, be sure that your worship is priority one. The wise men took a trip following the star. I ask you, is your life a trip following Jesus? You say, the number one thing in my life is I follow Jesus. You know, I work with kids, work with 7th and 8th grade boys. I'm kind of a 7th grader at heart. I know I tried to get promoted to 8th grade this year because I turned 80. And I thought, well, that'd get me into 8th grade. And when I went to youth camp this summer, they put me right back with the 6th graders that are going to be 7th grader this year. I was a little embarrassed by that, but I did it anyhow. But I have 42 boys that have agreed to share their faith. Now, they're not going to all do that. But they've agreed to do it, and I check on them about every month. How you doing? They wear a bracelet. You probably know about my bracelet. It's called a worship bracelet. It declares this, that Jesus came down to earth because he loved us. Jesus died on the cross to save us. Jesus rose from the dead to declare victory For every individual on the face of the earth, victory over sin and death. And Jesus returned to heaven so that when you pray, he intercedes in your behalf and guides you, is willing to guide you in every day and in every way, and he's coming again. How do you share your faith? What's your plan? Do you have a strategy? I can tell you it won't happen by the way you live. It will happen by sharing your faith in how you think, how you act, but also how you talk. Can you say, I share my faith where I work, where I live? You see, there's a story that's one of my favorite stories about Jesus. It's in John 4. And he's... Traveling with his disciples, and he said, listen, I must, I must go through, through Samaria. And he gets there, and they go into town to buy some supplies, and he's sitting out there, and a lady shows up. And he asked her for a drink of water. 
And she said, you don't know who I am. I've been married eight times, and I'm living with a man that I'm not married to now. I would say the conversation went like this. You know why I'm here at noon? Because I'm a disgrace in my community. And he began to share the love of God. He began to tell them, tell her. And in the midst of that, he began to reach out to her. Is there someone in your life that you need to reach out to? They began to talk about worship. He said, she said, well, now, we worship here in Samaria. We worship over here on this mountain. And you don't worship over there in Jerusalem. No, he said, worship is not about the place. Hear me now. Worship is not about the place. And in verse 24, he says, worship is about the attitude. You must worship in what? Say it. Worship in spirit. Let's say it. Worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? I want to close with what that means. What does it mean when I worship in spirit and in truth? As a matter of fact, there is no and in the Greek. It's just spirit truth. The idea is you can't worship in spirit if you don't worship in truth. And you can't worship in truth if you don't worship in spirit. They're together. They're one and the same. You worship Jehovah God revealed in Jesus Christ. You worship the eternal one. God is spirit. And if you're going to worship him, your spirit, your heart must be driven to search for the star. To be driven to find Jesus in everything you do, in every attitude you have, in every action you have. And how do you know that? By truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. We know the Bible reveals the truth. So I'm setting my heart and mind on truth and letting Jesus guide my spirit to carry out his calling on my life that's going to affect my life, my kid's life, my grandkid's life, and my great-grandkid's life. That's what Christmas is about. Are you willing to worship Jesus? Are you willing to give him priority in your life? One other story. Just take a minute. Paul and Silas were on their way with the gospel. And they were stopped. And they went a direction that God led them to Philippi. To establish the first church in all of Europe. They got there and they found some praying people seeking the star. They shared about Jesus. And they got, these ladies got saved and there was a baptism going on. And then there was in the streets and a lady came and was possessed by a demon and they cast out the demon. They were sharing their faith and in the midst of that, They disrupted the economy, got arrested. It says they were beaten. They were stripped. They were beaten. And they were thrown into jail. And they were thrown into the dungeon, it's called. 
Have you ever felt like you were in a dungeon? Come on. I tell you, if you haven't, you haven't lived long enough. Because you will feel like you're in a dungeon. And what did they do? Come on, what did they do? Acts 16. They began to worship. We have become so addicted to success and things going our way that if something goes bad with us, we stop worshiping. I can tell you I've been there. When I lost my dad at 19, I quit worshiping. Two years. Why? 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 When I lost my wife, I went underground. Why? 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 Here's what the Lord's told me. You get out of your pity party and you start counting your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Life has twists and turns. Amen? Come on. Amen? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I've got to get back to Jackson. I'm doing a funeral Tuesday morning of a lady that's had Alzheimer's for 10 years. That's tough, right? Come on. Yeah. Can you worship the Lord in the midst of life as it is and pass your faith to the next and the next and the next generation as you walk through life as it really is? Well, Christmas is all about worship. It's all about worship. Jesus came. And he told this lady, I am the I am. I am the I am of creation. I am the I am of the burning bush with Moses. I am the I am that met with Joshua and told him how to take Jericho down. I'm the great I am. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the very beginning of everything and I will be the end of everything. And she worshipped him. And then what did she do? She went into the city and they had a massive revival in a Samaritan city. I challenge you this Christmas day. Would you make a commitment to 2017? I am going to worship Jesus as Lord. And I'm not going to worship anything else but the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to worship my church. I'm not going to worship my pastor. I'm not going to worship my kids. I'm not going to worship my job. I'm not going to worship my sports team. I'm going to worship Jesus and Jesus only. Let's pray together.